You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Yeah, it's August, huh? Oh, boy. Listen, I have my work cut out for me this morning. I got to talk. You just got to sit there. Like, this is this going to be, I'm going to do my best to keep you awake this morning. I don't know how many are feeling it's August. How many of you feel, yeah, it's August, like fully August. Yeah, all right. Like, seriously, summer's just dragging, and it hasn't been terribly hot, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still August, you know. Um, well, hey, listen, you get points for coming to church, so thank you for being here. Uh, glad that you're with us, and uh, we're going to continue our series, and hopefully um, it's worthwhile for you today. Hopefully, whatever I have a chance to share here will be beneficial for you. I've been praying that it would be, so that's my goal today. Um, and if nothing else, I'll keep it short. Deal? All right, good. Um, so I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 30. Uh, we're going to uh, read there in just a few moments. It'll be on the screen as well if you just rather follow along. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, uh, those soft cover Bibles that are in the seats there, you can feel free to take one. It's our gift to you. Um, please don't take the hardcover Bibles. Those are not ours. We just rent this building and there are their Bibles that are sitting in the pews. So please don't take them because um, then they're going to call me up and be like, hey, did you guys steal our Bibles? Uh, um, so uh, but if you if you need one, uh, feel free to take one. Um, so we're doing a series exploring the tabernacle um, in the Old Testament, which sounds like so much fun. I know, um, but I think it's been great. I've enjoyed it. I know Rachel was not excited when she heard that we were doing this. When I told her about it, I think it was back in Mexico. She said, oh, that sounds like the worst thing ever. I said, oh, I'm sorry you think so. I will do my best not to make it so terrible. Um, you know, the tabernacle has all these laws and rules. You know, here's measurements. And yeah, so yeah, Rachel, I hope, I, hope it's, I hope it's not as bad as you thought it was. It's been great. Good. All right. Good. She says it's been great. I appreciate that. She has to say that now because she's on the spot. Um, so the tabernacle was God's way of being at the center of life, right? So children of Israel were, they, they were, you know, travelers. They were nomads. They were in tents. And so they would set these tents up. And God says, hey, I want a place. Right, he was up on a mountaintop, separated from the people, said, I want to live among you, so here's how it's going to work. I want you to build me a tent. It's going to be a nice tent. It's going to be this big thing. It's going to be a tabernacle. You're going to build it right in the middle of your camp. So there's a tabernacle. All the tents would go around it. I'm going to live among you. It's my way of being at the center of everyday life. And our goal for the series is to understand the significance of that tabernacle. Like, if God is prescribing, saying, hey, this is what I want, it's telling us something about him. Right. Because that's it's where he's going to live. So his house is going to tell us something about him, just like your house tells me something about you. Right. That's what's going to tell. And then also how we're going to look at that. And then we're going to look at Jesus. And how does Jesus relate to the tabernacle? Because it seems like so far everything we've done, Jesus has a connection there. And then we're going to understand how good we have it today that there is no more tabernacle. And why does that make a difference for us today? Um, so we're going to say so week one. What we did is we looked at, and here's I got a diagram here of the actual tabernacle. It was sort of this rectangle, okay? And uh, in what you'd come is you'd walk to three rooms, outer court, holy place, and holy of holies, right? You'd come in, this purple line here would represent the gate, big open gate into the tabernacle, right? And that was, so everybody could come into this outer courtyard. Everybody was allowed, if they were ceremonially clean, right? If they were following the Jewish laws, they could come into it. Didn't have to be anybody special. If you were Jewish, you had access and we find that Jesus says, what, I am the gate. Right? He said, I am the gate. 
And then, so we all have access into this outer courtyard. And we would get in this place, and you'd be approaching, so you all have now access into God's, into God's house, right? And, and we'd come to this altar, burnt offerings, which is basically a barbecue, right? Like a big barbecue. And every time you messed up, you'd have to bring a goat or a lamb or a bird or some grain or something to sacrifice on this altar. And they said, keep that flame burning, because you people mess up a lot. So they were just constant. That altar was constantly, constantly being used as people were making uh, sacrifices to atone for their failures. Right? I mean, it was a burden. It was a burden. Then Jesus comes and says, "Hey, guess what? I'm going to lay myself down on that altar. No longer, no longer do we have to come and bring our our pets." And burn our pets because we, we, we had a bad attitude. Right? No longer, this is what they were doing. They were bringing their animals and they had to lay them down because they messed up. So no longer do we have to do that. God has given us freedom from that. Now we don't have to bring a sacrifice. Now we get to bring a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of worship. That's what we get to do. And then you move forward and then it was the, the wash basin. The laver, right? It was a fancy word for a pool. Like a little, like a, a water filled bowl. And uh, they would wash and and in there, that would, you know, after sacrifice and all this stuff, they would be filthy. Right? So now you wash off and you clean away. Right? How do you stay pure in an impure world? Right? You wash often. You keep yourself clean. So they would come and Jesus says, hey, I came to wash your feet. I came to wash you clean. Right? He got down on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. And they're like, what are you doing? He says, listen, I gotta, this is just, it has to happen. Right? I've got to keep you clean. We, we get dirty and so we just keep coming back to Jesus and he keeps cleaning us. Right? And then you move forward and then you get to the holy place. The holy place is only for priests. Right? Only the priests had access into there. Right? This is only for the special people. They had certain clothes and right, a certain wardrobe and turbans. And they wore the ephod. Remember we talked about the ephod. Everybody's got your ephod today, right? And you get a, you get a, we gave away little jewels. Remember to talk about the ephod would be covered with jewels that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. So the priests would go in through this door. It says Jesus became our high priest. And he said, hey, guess what? I'm going to turn around and invite you in. And I'm going to call you now all my royal priests, a holy nation. You're sacred people. He has now appointed us all to be priests, which means we can all now lead people into the holy place of God. And he walked through and then there was a, the table of, of showbread. How many were here that week? Right? You got, we got some bread. We handed out some bread because the bread is always on the table. And it's always fresh. See, God has what you need it's, bread was the most basic need. It meant food. Right? And, and God said, there's always bread on my table. I always have what you need. There's always provision in the presence of God. Whatever you need, go to God. He's got it. Provision is always found in his presence. And then you move forward, right? And, and we get the menorah, the, the golden lampstand. We talked about this last week, that golden lampstand. Man, that thing had 75 pounds of gold, right? About a $1.7 million lamp. That's a nice lamp. I don't know how many of you have some nice lamps at your house, but that's a nice lamp. Um, and light represents truth. And they said, keep that flame burning. Because truth is always true. Always. No matter who lies, no matter who believes the lies, no matter how good they get at telling the lies, truth is always true. See, that lamp always stays burning. And then Jesus came and said, hey, guess what? I am the light. And they said, and guess what? Not only am I the light, but you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hill. So do not hide your light. You don't take your light and put it underneath your bed. 
You don't hide your light under the carpets. No, you put them up high so that everybody, the lights are coming from the ceiling because we're trying to keep them low because it gets hot. But the lights come from the top because that way everybody can see, right? There's some, because in the dark, you're confused, right? Close your eyes. You can't see a whole lot, right? If I asked you to, to run to your car right now with your eyes closed, you'd be like, uh, mm, that'd be messy, right? I would film it and send it to America's Funny Some Videos, but, uh, but we shouldn't do that. Um, something about light, it reveals. It's the truth. So we find now that in God's presence is always truth and there's always provision, right? And, and he, he changes who we are. So this week we're going to get to the altar of incense. Oh, I know, I know you can feel the anticipation, right? You guys are like, oh, I can't wait. It's going to be so good. The altar of incense. I've been waiting the whole series for this one. All right, so here we go. Exodus chapter 30, starting in verse 1. We're going to read about it, and then you can reserve your judgments. It says this, Then make another altar, yet another altar, right? We've got lots of them, of acacia wood for burning incense. Make it 18 inches square. That's a foot and a half. Not very big. 36 inches high. Three feet. Not very big. With horns at the corners carved from the same piece of wood as the altar itself. So basically a solid piece of wood you know, about this big and about that high. Just a big square. Kind of like a night table. Like a nightstand, right? With horns. All of your nightstands have horns? Yes? Good. Um, overlay the top, sides, and horns of the altar with pure gold and run a gold molding around the entire altar. So unlike the lampstand, this is made of wood just covered in gold. That lampstand was solid gold all the way through. Right? Verse 4. Make two gold rings and attach them on opposite sides of the altar below the gold molding to, ha- to hold the carrying pole. So like everything... They're also thinking of how do we transport this when we move. Every altar's got rings with poles that they can carry it so they don't actually have to touch it. It just makes it easier for them to transport as well as not defile it by touching it. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Verse 6, place the incense altar just outside the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant in front of the Ark's cover. The place of atonement that covers the tablets inscribed with the terms of covenant. I love this. I will meet with you there. God said, I'm going to meet with you right there. Every morning when Aaron, remember high priest Aaron, this is your family, right? Your family is going to be the ones responsible for everything in this tabernacle. You're going to be the priests. Now we're all priests. We're all right, Aaron's. But he says, Aaron, this is going to be your job. Every morning when you keep those lamps burning, when you keep the oil in the lamps, guess what? You also must burn fragrant incense on the altar. And each evening when you light the lamps, you again must burn incense in the Lord's presence. This must be done from generation to generation. So two times a day, right, they are lighting incense twice a day. Lit in the morning and the evening. It's connected to the lamps, which is connected to the presence of God, right? Light represents God's truth, his presence of God. So every time you light that lamp and say God's presence is here, also light the incense. Also, just, just light it up. When you flick on the lights, make it smell good. It's basically what he's saying. Every time you, what if every time you flicked on your light switch at home, it, there was like a little device that would just squirt out like a little Febreze, like a, whoosh, you know, like that'd be kind of cool. Like every time you flicked on the lights, you'd be like, hmm, it's fresh, you know, and you should be wanting to like flick the lights on. Whoosh, 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 every, I don't know. I just thought of that. When you light the lamps, somebody's going to copyright that. I want like, I want like a small fraction just for the seed thought. When you light the lamps that symbolize my presence, God is saying, I want you to associate it with this scent. Every time you come in and think about my presence, I want you to associate it with this smell. What was the special smell? We keep reading. Down, skip down to verse 34. And the Lord said to Moses, Gather fragrant spices, resin droplets, mollusk shell, and galbanum. Now I know what it smells like. 
mollusk shell. Anybody have that on today? How about some, how about some resin droplets? I know you all have galbanum on. To be honest, some of you may. I didn't know this, but apparently, galbanum, it comes from a plant, um, sort of a native diran. It's a musty smell. It's the ingredient which gives the distinctive smell to the fragrance must by Cartier and Chanel number 19. It's actually in there. So if some of you have Chanel number 19 on, I don't know if anybody does, or if you have it, or if you're wearing must by, uh, by Cartier, you have galbanum in it. Mix these fragrance spices with pure frankincense, weighed out in equal amounts. Using the usual techniques of the incense maker, blend the spices together and sprinkle them with salt, which is interesting, to produce a pure and holy incense. Grind some of the mixture into very fine powder and put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant where, again, I will meet with you in the tabernacle. You must treat this incense as holy. Never use this formula to make incense for yourself. It is reserved for the Lord. You must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes incense like this for personal use will be cut off from the community. There, are, you can read about a couple of guys that try and make this incense for themselves, or they, or they bring, they make different incense actually, and they come and they, oh, God doesn't really need that special one. We'll just make whatever, and uh, yeah, oops, they're done. That was it. It was not pretty. I find it fascinating that God considered a smell holy and sacred. Anybody else? That there was like a, a holy smell, right? I mean. God cares about smells. Like we're doing a series, it's all about worship gains us access into God's presence. So the tabernacle is about God's presence. Worship is what gets you into God's presence. Incense is the smell of worship. Think about that. Incense was essentially the smell of worship. God's given us many senses, right? And it's interesting, this is just me, this is not theological, this is just my observation. But if you look at our senses, it's almost like God put them all in the tabernacle. Sense of hearing. I don't mean to be graphic, okay? But a sense of hearing. You come to a first altar. And what are they sacrificing on the altar? Animals. Are the animals dead when they get there? No. So what do you think that it sounded like? in that outer court. As animals are coming, so you're hearing the sounds of animals, you're hearing the sounds of animals being slaughtered, and you're hearing the sounds of the fire as they're being thrown on. Let me tell you, there's a sound that those people did not forget. They understood the sound of sacrifice. That engages the sense of sound. Touch. Next, what do you do after you you make the sacrifice? You go to the water. You begin to wash. Anybody ever felt like water is just, there's something when you're around water, it's cleansing, right? Like when you dive in the ocean, right, and it's cold, but it's just, it washes over you, right? Or when you're in a shower, when you've been working all day or something, and you just get in that, there's just something about the feel of water that almost connects you to God in some way, right? Sense of taste. I don't know. Next table, what do you get? You get bread. You get bread, right? That's like you, you could, oh man, how many wish I brought? I don't have bread today, I'm sorry. I don't have bread today. But the sense of taste, bread, we all know bread is heavenly. Yes, bread is heavenly. Apologies to anybody who's gluten intolerant. Bread is heavenly. Um, sight, sense of sight. Well, what's the next one? 
Lampstand. Light. I mean, we've got all those senses being engaged. So it only kind of makes sense that the next one would engage the sense of smell. Right? It's God's kind of engaging every single sense in us and saying, when you come into my house, I'm going to engage all of it. I'm going to engage all of it. Smell may be one of the most powerful senses that we have. We identify people by the way that they smell. Right? New babies, they have a smell, right? Little babies have a, is it a baby smell. I don't know what it is. They got, like every time somebody holds a new baby, what do you do? You put your nose to their hair and you go, it's weird. It's weird. We smell babies' heads. How many of you know do it? Do, am I lying? You smell ba- I know you do it. You all smell babies' heads, right? And then another smell, somewhere around two months, starts to take over. And parents can actually distinguish, nope, not my kid. Yeah, that's his. How do you tell? You can distinguish between, yeah, that was my kid. Mm, that's good. Preteens, right? Smell like hoagies. My mom would tell you, it was her, her teacher, she worked where you say, okay, everybody who smells like a hoagie, raise your hand. I don't think they can do this anymore. And she went around with aerosol deodorant and would spray all the kids, like after, after like recess. I don't think you can do that anymore. Um, but little kids smell like hoagies right after a little while. Um, teens smell like they broke the bottle of Axe or perfume and just was like, <laughs> like gallons by the gallons. You, I could smell you down the street. Like, you're just coming. I will never forget the smell of the locker room. Right? In my high school, it was a mix of Tommy Sport. Some of you remember this. Tommy Sport and sweat. It's the most disgusting smell. So now, every time I smell that cologne, I just smell sweat with it. I just associate it with the locker room. You have these smells. I remember how my first grade teacher smelled. Do you remember how people smelled? Right? You associate things. My uncle smelled like cigars. Right? Some of you have got these smells. Perhaps your dad were Old Spice or smelled like cigarettes and coffee. I don't know. Like what, what did your parents smell like? What did your mom smell like? All grandmothers smell like cookies. Somehow they smell like cookies. I don't know how they do it. Right? You have these certain smells you associate with people. Right? You can smell it. You go, ah, oh, somebody's here. Right? You, you know it. You know what they wear. We identify places by how they smell. Right? We're, we're at our, our week of vacation. We're going over the bridge into Ocean City. And my son says, ah, oh, we got to put down the windows. Everybody, everybody, devices down, windows down. Smell. Salt air. Vacation has begun. You can smell it. There's something in the air about that ocean air. And it's like a vacation. You know, you can start getting Jimmy Buffett in your head or something, right? Like all of a sudden, you just start to get in there. You drive through Pennsylvania. You smell earth. I don't know. Yeah. Mmm, mm, that's pungent. Mm, go to Lancaster and you want to get some good jelly. And it's like, man, it's like I'm walking through a... Oh, it's rough. It's rough. I think the entire state smells that way. I'm sorry if you're from Pennsylvania. I'm not offending you. I'm not trying to. Your home has a smell. Walk in Sunday afternoon and when my wife's cooking sauce. Ah, oh, the smell of onions and garlic and just... Oh, right? Your home has a smell. When you go different places, you just associate smells... Right when you hear when you smell a barbecue grilling, what is that? Right when you when you you can smell it, or you smell a fire, somebody's having a fire, a campfire. You, that smell, you, you right? When you smell coffee, how many of you like you feel God? You feel God when you smell coffee, right? Like you, I, I don't drink coffee, so it doesn't really do it for me. But I know for some of you, like when you smell that, 
Right? We associate smells. When you smell popcorn, theater, right? You think of movies. I need, oh, I, should, I should get a Coke, probably. No, but yeah, something. Popcorn, Coke, and Twizzlers. I just need to. They said I should. So I've got to sit here in this seat reclining. I've got to eat popcorn. Like it just goes together. There was a pastor whose church met in, uh, the guy Mark Batterson who wrote that book, uh, Whisper, that we had done. Right? In D.C., they used to meet in movie theaters, and he would always say, popcorn is their incense. Popcorn was their incense. That's the smell of their, of their spiritual experience. We associate smells with experiences, right? New car smell. Oh, there's something about that new car smell. Or, or some of you, it's new shoes, right? Some of you, when you buy new shoes, you secretly smell them. I'm not just you do it. You go, ah, it smells. I used to walk in the, in the mall, walk by Wilson's Leather. I would just go in. I had no intention of buying anything. I'd walk in. I'd literally walk in and go. Hmm. I walk out, but it smells so good. I just love that smell of leather. Oh man, brings back memories. Smell is powerful. You associate things in your life with smells, people, places, memories, experiences. See, incense was the scent of God's presence. It was the smell he wanted his people to associate with him. He was engaging his people in every possible way. And I can guarantee you that the skins that covered that tabernacle did not contain that smell. That incense would emanate out of that tabernacle to, the, to around it. Right? Everybody would begin to smell it. And it was extra strong for the priests. Right? They would have to walk through that outer court, smell all those animals. Right? Smell them being sacrificed. And then as they stepped closer, the sweet smell, this aroma of incense would be, okay, we're leaving that sacrifice behind. Now we're entering, getting closer. And the sweet smell now beginning to rise up. This is the presence of God. So what, it, I mean, in, in addition, was it just the smell or was there more that God wanted? Was it just he wants to smell good enough to associate a nice smell with him? See, when retelling the story of Jesus, Luke shares this. It says, one day Zechariah, if you remember, as he's getting in the beginning, Zechariah, was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. He was a priest. And as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary and burn the incense. And it says this, while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. See, prayers were always associated with incense. The sense of the smoke rising would be symbolic of their prayers rising to God. It was believed, right, that that incense was mixed into that fragrant offering to God. When they prayed and burned the incense, it connected the smell with the, with the pleasure of God. That as I'm praying and offering this to God, I'm offering faith and trust to God. And it's like a fragrant offering going up to Him. They associated with, with that. King David in Psalm 141 says, Accept my prayer, O Lord, as incense offered to you. In Revelations, it says the four beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. End of time, each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. There's something about that scent of, of incense connected and mixed in with prayer that as you pray, it's like a fragrant offering going up to God. See, the incense represented the faithful prayers and worship of the people 
God wants to bless His people with the presence. So I want to bless you. I want to live among you. But here, the incense was an opportunity for the people to now give something back to God. It says God takes pleasure in that aroma. He loved the way it smelled. When they placed their faith and trust in God, it pleased Him. When you pray, you're declaring, God, I trust you. I believe in you. And that's like a sweet-smelling fragrance to God. It gave them an opportunity to make God smile. Now, throughout this series, we have recognized that we no longer have a tabernacle. Right? We don't burn incense, at least not here. Some of you may burn incense in your homes. Uh, I don't want to get into all of that. If you'd like to burn incense, that's up to you. But what do we do with this now in connection with our relationship with God? So, as always, we look to Jesus. Where's Jesus in this? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Next verse, here we go. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. See, Jesus became a fragrant offering. He actually became a fragrant offering. His willingness to live life submitted to the will of heaven smelled glorious to God. The scent of love is beautiful to God, even more sacrificial love. Jesus gave everything for you and for me, and that made him smell so good to God. His obedience was a fragrant offering. His love was a fragrant offering. So was his compassion, his kindness, his patience, his generosity. Everything Jesus did was like a fragrant offering going up to God. He became the offering. So what does that mean for us? Jesus says, I am that fragrant offering. So what does it mean for us? It means this. Every part of your life has the potential to be a fragrant offering means every part of your life has the potential to be a fragrant offering. Every day is filled with opportunities to offer yourself as a fragrant offering to God. You can make God smile all day and go, Oh, it smells good. Right? We use so many phrases around smells, right? That stinks. We're not talking just about smells, right? right? Can you smell what I'm cooking? Right? <laughs> all sorts of phrases that we use. You know, when you have a decision to make and you ask God for wisdom, guess what? That prayer is a fragrant offering that you just sent up. When you're overwhelmed and you choose to turn to God, guess what? Fragrant offering going up to God. When you're angry and you choose to submit your anger to the will of God and say, God, I don't want to just respond in anger. I want you to redeem this. Help me here. Fragrant offering going up to God. Your day is filled with opportunities to send fragrant offerings up to God. One of my heroes is Eric Liddell. Anybody familiar with the story? Chariots of Fire was the movie. It's a wonderful book about him, uh, about his, his life. He was a, a missionary, but he was also a great runner. And uh, it's actually a picture of him. And uh, the movie... There's a quote from the movie that may or may not, he may or may not have said in his life, but I don't really care. I love the sentiment, so I'm going to take it. Maybe the movie took some license, but I'm going to quote it anyway. And talking to his sister, he said, you know, I know God called me to be a missionary to China. 
and I will go. And he did. And he gave his life as a missionary in China. But he said, but I also know that God made me fast. He said, and when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Wow, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? That when he ran and stretched out his legs on that racetrack, when he let his head fall back, and as he dug into that ground, the air was filled with this fragrant offering to God, then he felt God's pleasure. When you do what God has assigned you to do, when you respond in obedience to God, when you offer your life to God in everything, no matter how big or how small, when you offer it to God, guess what? You're lighting a fragrant offering up to Him. Constantly. It's like a Yankee candle, but a million times stronger. Did you ever think about the fact that how you work is an opportunity to give God an offering? That your attitude is a constant opportunity to give God a fragrant offering? Oh, don't go there. Yep, your attitude. Your faith. So here's the million dollar question as you go throughout your day. Ready? Here's the million dollar question for you. Let's put it up there. Is God pleased? As you go through your day, as you evaluate your attitude, does this bring God pleasure? As you're doing your work, is God pleased? As you're wrestling with faith, are you putting your faith in God or in yourself? Is God pleased? Do your dreams bring God pleasure? The things that you hope for, the things that you dream about, the things that just drive you, does that give God pleasure? Think about it. Evaluate it. Do your relationships give God pleasure? Does the way you treat other people give God pleasure? Do your prayers bring God pleasure? Does your conversation bring God pleasure? Do your habits bring God pleasure? Do your secret thoughts bring God pleasure? In every area, you can see all day long is filled with opportunities to just raise up incense to God. It's, it's a whole life laid down before him and said, God, I will live my life for you. Jesus said, I will lay my life down, and it became a sacrifice, and it was a pleasing aroma to God. So the question is, how do you smell today? I'm not talking about the outside. Because I will tell you, I stink sometimes. I mean, I stink a lot of times in other ways, but I stink sometimes on the inside. You know, forget an offering. Sometimes my attitude is like a dead fish. Ethan, don't shake your head. My faith has days where it's closer to a garbage dump, right, than sacred incense. There are days where I just stink sometimes. And God can smell it. Because He knows. Right? Some of you got dogs and things. They can smell out things, right? They can smell out little bunny rabbits. They can smell out, right, this, or chipmunks or squirrels. They can smell, they can smell out things. There's, I know our, 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 our police, they have the, 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 the dogs that smell. Like those dogs are incredible. They can smell drugs and things like that. I think Sergeant Kivett was telling me that, that the dog that he's got, that those dogs, 
I think the, there's a test for, I think it's ovarian cancer for women. The, dog, the, the, the tests are like around 65%, 70% accurate, the tests. The dogs can smell out ovarian cancer in a woman with like 95% accuracy. Unreal. The dogs can smell that. God, he's got 100% accuracy on everything. He smells my bad attitudes. He smells my thoughts. He smells my desires. He smells everything inside of me. He knows me. He reads me like a book. He knows me inside and out. Sometimes I stink, yet in his grace, he refuses to give up on me. And every day is a brand new day. So I just want to encourage you today that no matter what you smelled like when you walked in, today is a brand new day. You may have walked in here today and you know you smell like a sewer on the inside. You came to the right place. I'm going to invite the team to come on up and we're going to close our service in just a moment. But I want you to hear this. Our God does not only smell what you are. Our God does not only smell what you are, but he smells what you can be. Hear this. God does not smell what you are only. He can smell what you can be. When you offer your life to God, when you choose to make today different, you light the altar of incense. You spark a flame in your heart that changes the atmosphere, and you're not going to be the only one who notices. See, when you choose to lay down your life, guess what happens? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and this is the most important verse we're going to read here. Here we go. It says this, Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere, like what? Like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. Next verse. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell. To those who want nothing to do with God, when you live for God, you reek. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. See, when the priest lit that incense, guess what? It stuck to their clothes. There's some of you in here that you wear a lot of cologne. When I hug you, I walk away smelling like you. Right? It's like I tell people, it's like a $3 hug. I just got money from that. Like, seriously, that's how much that squirt was worth, right? I mean, it's like that was a lot of perfume. Those priests smelled like incense. They carried that fragrance everywhere they went. They would be in there lighting it, and it would just get all in them. And they would go, and they would smell like it. The more you offer your life to God and offer a fragrant incense to Him, guess what? You start to smell different. You start to smell different and other people notice. And they will say things like, I don't know what you're wearing, but I love it. I like the way you smell. Man, that smells good. Where can I get some of that? See, we're going to receive communion in just a moment. I just, want to, I just want to pray with you. Can we just pray for just a moment? Would you just bow your heads? I just want to pray just for a moment. If you walked in here today and you know that you are not a sweet-smelling fragrance to God, you are not living your life in humble service, perhaps you didn't even know that you could. And as you have sat here and listened, something inside is stirring. I just want to encourage you, that is God. He created a tabernacle.
because he wanted to live among his people and he still wants to live in you today. And if you are willing today to invite God to do something new in you, you can do that here and now. He can change the way you smell. Would you simply just pray this prayer with me? If that's you today, would you just pray this prayer with me? God of all, you love me. You have always loved me. You see me and know exactly who I am. You know my heart. You see my good and my bad. And you love me through it all. Today I acknowledge that living for myself stinks. I am ready to change. You are so good that you embrace me with all my mess. And you wash me clean. You make me new. I want my life to be a fragrant offering for you. I commit to following you, Jesus. Please make my life an ever-increasing aroma. And may others see what you have done in me and be drawn to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com or on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Life Tree.